1: the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people, of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government.
0: The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists attitudes, prejudices.
1: Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world as we broadcast on the Fringe FM, the Paranormal Radio app, and TalkStream Live, among other applications where you can listen to the show, and maybe you are right now, after the show airs, shortly after, and long, long, long into the future after the show airs. All the various podcast players and applications. Just search The Secret Teachings. And if you don't find the updated shows, you'll have to restart your application or just search the show again. I promise you it is updated. Or you can go onto our website and find the free show archive there. And in that archive, you'll find an RSS feed under the player. You can plug that into your app. I've added that in the archive today. Or you can click on one of the linked up advertisements for the individual applications like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you'll be able to access the show that way. So I've added three options. You can listen on the website, listen through the RSS feed directly, or you can listen through one of those links to a website or a podcast player. And that's the free archive. For those of you who want the ad-free version of the show along with our montages and my digital books. It's the one thing that supports us. The only thing that keeps us on air. And that is also at the secret All you do is go to the website and subscribe. You get access to all of that, whether you're subscribing or you're buying a book. We do things very, very antiquated here intentionally. I don't like working through big processing companies and, and whatnot. So we do things really antiquated. It's all done through PayPal. And if you have any questions about that, it's pretty self-explanatory on the website, but you can always email me for that or any other reason at rdgable, that's rdgable, at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. We are live tonight, January 13th into the 14th of 2022. The call in number is 520 367 2064. I don't push that call in number a lot, something that you do have to do in radio to get people to call in. But I don't really push that number a lot because I have a lot of things to say. And maybe that makes me egotistic. Maybe that makes me a radio host. That is what I do. I host a radio show. And if you've never heard this radio show before, this radio show is kind of like a hybrid of probably half a dozen other types of radio shows with my own spin on the subject matter. I try to focus on things like parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, history, the paranormal, health, symbolism, magic, philosophy, specializing in the occult and the esoteric. I like to find patterns that are often overlooked. I don't like when this show gets categorized or when I get categorized into being a political show or into being a historical show or just a podcast about conspiracies. This show is none of those things. And the only way that you would think that it's one of those things is if you have never listened to it. You never heard the types of things that we talk about on this show. And, of course, that's, that's nobody's fault necessarily because you only hear bits and pieces of radio. You don't listen to the whole two hours usually. I don't even listen to the full show of any show that I listen to. I normally don't have time. But tonight, I, I think it is it is so pertinent. It is so incredibly important to share with you what I have to share with you and specifically to do it tonight. Because it is entirely clear that one major US political party has been so utterly usurped by a psychological oligarchy and by mass hysteria that even judges on the Supreme Court of the United States of America are willing to exchange their power and the power of the courts for that of a single executive authority. And I hope that people understand, yourself and others, if you understand this, I hope that you also realize how important that precedent is, that judges on the Supreme Court are willing to subvert their own authority as one of the three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, and hand that authority over to the executive branch. An executive branch that has expressed a desire to reform, that's the word they're using, reform, or pack that very same Supreme Court, while siding with his vice president that in order to give non-citizens the right to vote, we should simply ignore current Senate procedure. These are stories in the New York Times. These are stories NBC News, mainstream media. The president of the United States is looking into how to legally pack the Supreme Court. Is that going to happen? Probably not. But just the notion that there's any kind of inquiry in how to pack the Supreme Court. Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to give all non-citizens the right to vote? The president and his party maintain an assault on the economy, jobs, energy, food, supplies, etc., in something more like a siege than mitigation during a pandemic. And these actions are not... Akeen to equality and health. They're parallel to Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. They might as well be acts of treason. Declarations of war. Packing courts. Obliterating the power of citizens' choice in voting. Using an emergency to shut down businesses and consolidate power and corporate power as well. Not just government power. Calling upon Words. To demean and discredit your opposition, because you can't argue with them, calling them all manner of names to put them on the constant defense, these are all actions of totalitarians, control freaks, etc, not altruistic friends of freedom. And my friend Clyde Lewis called me the other day and he was a little bit frustrated and upset, and he said, "Have you heard about what the state of Washington is reportedly trying to do to an old law from the early 2000s. And I said, yeah, I heard that they're trying to amend it to do what the New York state government was looking at passing as a bill. Of course, part of that bill, it's an assembly bill that was being discussed in the Senate in the state of New York. That bill was stricken, part of it. It says so on the New York State Senate website.gov. And it was about allowing the governor to provide no evidence, provide no causation, just point a finger at somebody and claim that individual could be, might be, may be a threat to the health of others and then detaining them without any due process into a medical facility and then allowing for everything from a needle to be put into their body or pills to be put into their body or things to be pumped into their system without their consent as a means of treatment. And Clyde and I were talking about how, how downright terrifying not only is, is the idea, but more so that any representative of any county or district or state uh, of any representative of anything in this country would suggest something that is so Hitlerian, so Stalinistic that it should at, at minimal result in an investigation of the individual who proposed that legislation, who proposed that bill, who proposed to amend already standing legislation in the state of Washington. And Clyde and I were talking about how nobody opens up a history book, apparently. And that's why I called tonight's show Heartbeat of History. Because if we only saw and felt and heard the heartbeat of history, we'd recognize that there's a lot more going on here than politics. And there's a lot more going on here than what we can see in the physical world. You know, when people use words to put others on the defensive, something that is akin to an ad hominem attack, attacking a person based on their looks, it's almost an ironic form of ad hominem because you're accusing somebody of being something, calling them a horrible name, accusing them because of what you are assuming, what you are putting on them to defend themselves of, that they feel a certain way about another group of people based on the way that they look. So it's almost like a form of ad hominem irony, as far as I see it. But this heartbeat of history is something that you can pick up any history book and you can read about what is being proposed in states across the country. You can read about all the mitigation, all the the mandates and the orders and the resolutions, local governments, counties, states, and things that the CDC, for example, has tried to do but have found themselves blocked by the Supreme Court of the United States last year. Remember that eviction moratorium? And the Supreme Court said, you can't do that. You're not a legislative body. You don't have the authority. And the Supreme Court today, I'm sure that you've heard about this in the news, but it's probably not something where any media source really broke it down to explain what it means. But the U.S. Supreme Court today halted the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for U.S. businesses. And I think it is important to explain what the decision was and why that decision was reached. Not because this is a political radio show, because it's not, and I'm certainly not a conservative. And not because I want to make the show boring. On the contrary, this needs to be explained so that you as an individual can feel as empowered as I do as an individual outside of radio in my own personal life, knowing what my rights are and knowing that governments are instituted among men deriving their power to govern from the will of the governed. Governments are not instituted among men to control men and to dictate to men how they live their lives. And of course, by men, we mean all people, like mankind, all people. And there's a separation of powers because you don't want one individual making all the decisions where there is no way to find recourse. There, there is no way to debate or discuss that's why the power of legislation resides in the hands of the legislator. It resides in Congress, in the House, and the Senate. And the media didn't tell you, while they were pumping up how much power OSHA had and how much power the Department of Labor had and how much power Joe Biden had and how much power the executive branch had, they didn't tell you that the Senate voted in early December kind of like a poll, the Senate voted on what they felt about the business rule. And the business rule for COVID-19 vaccines, according to the Senate, they believed was wrong. Meaning that the Senate, which is half of Congress, decided that the rule should not stand. And yet the Solicitor General argued before the court that Congress had delegated explicit authority to OSHA some 50 years ago in 1970 and recently with the COVID-19 coronavirus relief bill to enact such sweeping broad measures. Now, what's important here is not just that the Supreme Court stayed the rule. It's not just that the Supreme Court said, you can't do this. There's no authority. It's not so black and white, and it's actually a lot more logical and a lot less political than people think. But there are some other things about this decision that are really important to understand, and I want to share them with you because I've been studying this all day. I printed out and read through the entire Supreme Court decision, including the dissenting justices. There were three of them. It was a 6-3 decision. The court's conservative majority concluded that the administration overstepped its authority by seeking to impo- impose the Occupational Safety and Health administrative, uh, Administration's Vaccine or Test Rule on U.S. businesses of at least 100 employees. According to the conservative majority, OSHA has never before imposed such a mandate, nor has Congress. Indeed, although Congress has enacted the significant legislation addressing the COVID-19 pandemic, it has declined to enact any measure similar to what OSHA has promulgated here quote-unquote, the conservatives wrote in an unsigned opinion. However, in dissent, the court's three liberal justices argued that it was the court that was overreaching by substituting its judgment for that of health experts. That was Justices Stephen Breyer, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor who displayed her incredible arrogance and ignorance and stupidity when she made up statistics, just made up statistics about COVID-19. The liberal argument was that the court was overstepping its boundary in determining the statutory appropriateness and the constitutionality of the rule and whether or not Congress had delegated authority, whether in 1970 or with the COVID-19 relief bill, I don't think anybody has really recognized the significance of that. Maybe some lawyers have. What the liberal justices said is that the Supreme Court overstepped its boundary in determining what was legal. The last time I checked, that is the only job that the Supreme Court has is to determine what is constitutional, what is legal and what is not legal. Why would three Supreme Court justices literally say, it's not our job to determine this, it's that of health experts? What a cheap argument, for one. For two, a horribly terrifying notion that three justices on the highest court in the land believe that the power that they have in the judicial branch, should simply reside in the hands of health experts and an executive authority. That's a horribly dangerous precedent. And it also implies that their power was easily given away in their dissenting opinion. Their power is easily given away and usurped for that executive authority. I can't believe that the Supreme Court of the United States has not one but three judges. I don't care if they're liberal. If the conservatives wrote the same thing, I'd feel the same way. Your job is literally to decide what is legal and what is constitutional, what provisions, what, what, what statutes, what, what, what can states do, what can governing bodies do. What can regulatory agencies do? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Your job is not to delegate that authority to another branch of government. They basically said, pass. I hope you realize how dangerous that is because it implies a lot more than what I just said. It implies that whether it's based on politics or not, there's a fever, a contagion, that isn't SARS-CoV-2. It's a contagion of psychological oligarchy and mass hysteria. And judges on the highest court in the land are not immune from it. And they are willing to exchange their power for that of a single executive authority. A single executive authority who it seems isn't even an executive authority, but a single executive authority, the president, who is also expressing in the last six to seven months that he wishes to, quote, reform the Supreme Court. In other words, pack the Supreme Court. Do you know what packing the Supreme Court means? Packing the Supreme Court or packing any court means putting your own people in there so that if this rule were to go in front of a reformed Supreme Court, it wouldn't matter what the rule of law is because we would just, as the Supreme Court that's reformed, refer to health experts and the executive to make the decision. We would just throw the ball back. It's not our job to decide that when it is your only job to decide that. And you don't have to be a legal scholar or a historian to understand that. And you don't have to be political to understand the horribly dangerous precedent that those three judges made in dissenting, especially so to Mayer. So what does that actually mean to you as an individual? Because most of us think it's on social media, it's on the internet. Most of us think, well, the Supreme Court said that you can't do this, so now I can go to work and I don't have to get a vaccine. Hold on a second. A lot of businesses have already attempted to implement this policy. Big businesses, of course, they have got lawyers and they know what the courts are doing and they're aware, but smaller businesses might not be as aware. And you're going to have to deal, I'm sure, with businesses that aren't aware of the Supreme Court's decision and they think that the OSHA order stands and you might have to fight and argue with them about it. And you're going to deal with businesses that have awareness of the order, but they're going to choose to carry it out under their own policy. And it's important to realize that if you have a business that says, we don't really care what the Supreme Court says, it's our policy. Now, we're adopting the rule and enforcing it ourselves. It's our policy at the store, at the business. You still have a religious and a medical option. You can be exempt for religious and medical reasonings if you declare it. And in fact, the other case the Supreme Court heard in which they allowed to proceed the Medicaid-Medicare uh, funding, if you receive funding from the federal government, you have to enforce mandatory vaccines on healthcare workers. It also allows, it in fact requires, providers offer medical and religious exemptions. So those are some things that the media aren't, telling you they're not being so honest about and i think it's important to share that with you tonight and we're going to talk a lot more about this on the secret teaching so don't go anywhere stay with us it's the month of janice and the year of the tiger 2022 here on ktlk digital broadcasting the fringe fm
0: Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to
1: The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings?
0: I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel.
1: Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Turn into late night radio. Turn on that radio. You tune in to the broadcast and you might think we're going to talk about aliens or Atlantis. All things that I'm interested in. I actually just pulled out Graham Hancock's Fingerprints of the Gods. I was going to read through that. I read that a long time ago. I kind of forgot everything in it. I think I'm going to have to reread it again now that I have more of a knowledge on those things. And I've actually been reading Graham Hancock's Supernatural which is uh, not normally my my preferred cup of tea, but it's a very, very good book. And in the middle of reading that, you know, I take little breaks and I do other things. And when I, I woke up this morning, 13th of January, 2022, and I saw that the Supreme Court of the United States stayed the vaccine mandate rule for businesses. And when I went to the Internet to try to find some coverage of it, I thought, Somebody has to be covering this. The media has been covering it nonstop. They've been covering it for months. Earlier on, they were saying, no, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, the government can force you to get a vaccine. But then when you read that Supreme Court case, they actually didn't force him to get a vaccine. They forced him to pay a fine because the court wasn't ruling on whether or not the government could hold you down and inject you. They were ruling on whether the local authorities had the authority to enact such a measure. And that's one thing that I think we... Don't typically think about. We're certainly not educated on this in civics class, if we have a civics class, on what the court system is supposed to do. Now, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a lawyer, and I certainly have not been to law school, but I've read enough legal books and I've read through enough cases that I have a pretty preliminary understanding of how the stuff works. I'm certainly not able to teach a course on it, but I can get the gist of it. And so I sat down today and I read through the Supreme Court's decision. They allowed one order to proceed. And if you go to supremecourt.gov, if you're interested, this is a lot more than just the Supreme Court. Uh, there's a lot more happening here, I should say, than just the Supreme Court. And this is metaphysical as much as it is political. But it's going to take a little bit tonight before we can get into that because there are a lot of parallels and patterns that we have to address, and assess. The court granted the application to stay two injunctions barring the Secretary of Health and Human Services regulation requiring facilities that participate in Medicare and Medicaid to ensure that their employees are vaccinated against COVID-19. You can read that. The per curiam unanimous decision of the court in the general heading Biden versus Missouri You can read that on the Supreme Court website. Just go to supremecourt.gov, scroll down, and you'll see you can actually pull up the opinion of the court. And then the other case, the NFIB versus OSHA, the unanimous decision of the court, the court grants the applications to stay, meaning to halt the Occupational Safety and Health Administration's challenged rule mandating that employers with at least 100 employees require covered workers to receive a COVID-19 vaccine, and you can read the opinion of the court there. Again, I read through the whole thing today, and it was very interesting. Have you ever read through a, a court document or a court opinion? You know, it's written in legalese, and it can be a little bit difficult to understand, and you have to kind of look up some words and understand that there's a process to writing these things in the same way there's a process to writing a script you know where you have certain acts and you've got your intros and your 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 breaks and and things like that and when i read through this thing i was thinking from the perspective of virtually 90 probably 59678% of the of the general population you have people that are very, very political or very willing to express that they're not political, but they lean in a certain political direction. And based on those political motivations, they have a certain favorable or unfavorable view of government. So the last couple of years, and in fact the last couple of decades, we've seen that the unfavorable view of government has amounted to attacks on the structural foundation of the us republic what i mean by that is you have people that say well the legal system is corrupt the whole system's corrupt the whole thing should be overthrown and redone and people might say that in passing maybe somebody somebody was taken to court and lost a lawsuit or Maybe somebody had a bad experience, you know, with the legal system. But all in all, we have a pretty decent legal system in the United States, and we have a much better system of government in the United States than virtually any country on planet Earth. And certainly one of the most unique, if not the most unique, certainly the most radical in probably the history of the world, or at least, at least in, in relative history. And that's because it's based on the principles of liberty as they are given to all men. Liberty, philosophically speaking, cannot exist unless all people have it. If one is deprived of it, nobody has it, because it means that others can deprive you of it. And governments are instituted among men to protect rights, not to bestow them. They are instituted among men to protect men. And men are elected to those governments as representatives in a democratic process to enforce the rules of the republic, which pretty much means the government stays out of the way. And in our case, we have individual states that then further, for the most part, regulate everything about the individual state, the individual society, economy, infrastructure, etc. The Supreme Court of the United States determines whether what the legislative branch or what a state does or what the executive branch does, if it holds up under scrutiny. And the Supreme Court, in a unanimous decision, in a six-three decision, ruled that the vaccine mandate for workers, businesses that have over a hundred workers, would be stayed because OSHA does not have the authority to enforce it. The argument for the mandate made by the Solicitor General of the United States was that OSHA has the authority because of a law passed in 1970 by Congress giving OSHA the authority to do things like regulate safety in the workplace. A very general interpretation of the law, of course. And it's interesting because the Senate voted in December of last year to thumbs down the mandate. So that means not only did the legislators not take any action to create a law that would enforce vaccines, but they voted to turn their fingers down to the mandate, meaning that Congress essentially disagrees and disapproves with it. So the point is the arguments didn't stand up in court and the court decided that this order is not what it has been presented as. It is a universal order and it is something that cannot be enforced, and is a grave violation of the Constitution. The court said that the regulation operates as a blunt instrument. It draws no distinctions based on industry or risk of exposure to COVID-19. It goes on to say that it is instead a significant encroachment into the lives and health of a vast number of employees. They go on to talk about the risk that COVID-19 poses, but they say that this kind of universal risk is no different from the day-to-day dangers that all face from crime, air pollution, or any number of communicable disease. A vaccine mandate is strikingly unlike workplace regulations that OSHA has typically imposed. A vaccination, after all, cannot be undone at the end of the workday. They go on to say, where the virus poses a special danger because of the particular features of an employee's job or workplace, targeted regulations are plainly permissible. Hence the reason that the Supreme Court allowed the healthcare worker mandate to proceed forward. Although there are religious and medical exemptions, as stated In the court's decision, quote, the rule requires providers to offer medical and religious exemptions and does not cover staff who telework full time. Some businesses are trying to do that. Try to wrap your head around that. You have to get a vaccine if you work 100% full time away from the office. You You don't even come to the office. You work at home. We still want you and need you to get one. The rule would not apply to them, of course. The court's decision goes on to say the most noteworthy action Congress has taken is to vote in a majority decision. The Senate disapproved of this regulation December 8th of 2021 because Congress has to make a decision by voting on legislation before it becomes law. We don't just have an individual like the president say, you're going to do this, and then they find a random regulation that gives them perceived power on the surface until you look at it and realize they're just circumventing Congress. Congress has to act to make something like this a law, especially when it affects commerce, when it affects individual liberties, when it affects businesses, particularly small businesses, even if they have more than 100 employees, when it affects the rights of states. I mean, it's a gross and disturbing overstepping of executive authority. And it's a gross spitting in the face of the legislature and, for that matter, of the court system, for which when courts have initially, in in smaller cases, said that, If a school or a business wants to force you to get a vaccine, you have a right to have a religious or medical exemption. We've had several cases of that we've talked about from Michigan to Louisiana. And in those cases, you've had people on the news and you've had liberals in particular and you've even had the White House saying, we don't care what the courts say, do it anyway. Just blatantly mainstream news. We don't care what the courts say, do it anyway. I'm pretty sure that is tantamount to, to treason. Just ignore what the courts say. Well, they're not going to ignore this. It's coming from the Supreme Court. They're not going to ignore this, but they're going to find crafty ways to get around it because the businesses that want to virtue signal and the businesses that want to create a non-inclusive environment are going to say, well, we're enforcing the rule anyway. It's now a corporate decision, etc. And if you have a business that's like that, you are waiting on what the Supreme Court said, You woke up, you saw the Supreme Court said you don't have to get a vaccine to work under a federal mandate and your business says you still have to get one? You need to ask why. What's their policy? Because if it's now suddenly a company policy, you still have a right to exempt yourself for religious and medical reasons. If you are made to get the vaccine because you are a healthcare worker working at a facility that receives Medicaid and Medicare funding, then you also, in the rule itself that the Supreme Court upheld, in the rule itself, you get a religious and medical exemption because it's federal law that those rights are protected, regardless of what these rules say. So that's really, really important. The Supreme Court said this lack of historical precedent because OSHA has never, in its half century of existence, adopted a broad public health regulation of this kind, coupled with the breadth of authority that the Secretary now claims, because the Secretary has to prove a number of things, that employees are exposed to a grave danger from exposure to substances or agents determined to be toxic or physically harmful or from new hazards, and number two, that the emergency standard is necessary to protect employees from such dangers. This is a broad overreach of power. It's a broad rule that has no basis in statutory authority. And the Supreme Court said uh, this is unprecedented. Literally, this is historically unprecedented. And, and, and the scope of the authority that the Secretary claims that they have is a telling Indication that the mandate extends beyond the agency's legitimate reach. The federal government, I thought this was interesting, claimed in dissent that the mandate will save 6,500 lives. And I found that to be also disturbing, considering that it applies to 84 million people, or it applied to 84 million people roughly, and... It applied 84 million people roughly to save 6,500 people when the official VARES data is that more than, more than double that have already died from adverse reactions to the vaccine. So by the government's own numbers, if you had implemented this and given this thing, this shot or multiple shots to 84 million people, more people would have died from it than would have been saved. And how do you quantify saving 6,500 people? How do you quantify saving people by giving them something that is actually going to potentially have an adverse reaction and force people to take something that they could have an adverse reaction to? Something also brought up in the oral arguments on the 7th of January. But the good news is the courts say this. It is not our role to weigh such trade-offs. In our system of government, and this is what's so important, When people say, the courts don't work, ah, the government doesn't work, ah, the republic's a joke, ah, we just need to vote, 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 vote. Democracy is what matters. Everything else is corrupt. Well, this is what's important. The Supreme Court said it is not our role to weigh such trade-offs. In our system of government, that is the responsibility of those chosen by the people through democratic processes, which is kind of an ironic statement because the people that want to have a democracy so Intensely, They love voting. Vote, 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 vote. Get all the votes that you can from people that don't know who they're voting for. Vote blue no matter who. Vote, 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 vote. All about democracy. Don't realize that democracy is supposed to be the basis to allow for a form of government to operate that then protects the rights of other people. It isn't about creating a mob that votes to get what they want at any given time. That's, that's not a republic, that's a mob. And it's very, very dangerous. That's why pure democracy can never exist, because it consumes itself. According to the conservative concurring judges, this is directly from SupremeCourt.gov, this last piece is so important. This is is what sums up the Supreme Court's decision on why they stayed these these rules. This comes from the, the majority. The question before us is not how to respond to the pandemic, but who holds the power to do so? The answer is clear. Under the law as it stands today, that power... lies in the states and Congress, not OSHA. In saying this much, we do not impugn the intentions behind the agency's mandate. Instead, we only discharge our duty to enforce the law's demands when it comes to the question, who may govern the lives of 84 million Americans? Respecting those demands may be trying in times of stress, but, and this is The ultra-important part, I think. If this court were to abide them only in more tranquil conditions, declarations of emergencies would never end and the liberties our Constitution's separation of powers seeks to preserve would amount to little. Which is exactly why you don't sacrifice freedom for security. This is exactly why You don't suspend people's rights in times of emergencies. And I am still stunned. I can hear the voices in my head. Two years ago, when people said to me, don't you think that a public health emergency is reason enough to suspend certain rights? And I said, you sound like you're speaking as a reincarnated Adolf Hitler who burns the Reichstag down in order to pass legislation like the Patriot Act to give himself control of a consolidated German government. It's the same kind of power usurpation that Stalin or Mao or any communist authoritarian, totalitarian dictator has used to obtain power. And do you know what else those dictators did to obtain power? They also packed the court system. So their people were in positions of power in the court system to decide what they wanted decided. The rule of law didn't matter. What mattered was the people making the decision on what was the rule and what was the law. Those people were controlled. And last year, the President of the United States said we should reform the Supreme Court. Why? So rules like this can be jammed through with no consideration for the rule of law. And that is an incredibly dangerous and terrifying notion. What's positive and what's something we should take away from this that's Something we should feel good about is that the court system reaffirmed its position that if we only enforced certain laws, if we only enforced certain things when it was convenient, there would be no point in having our system of government. There'd be no point in operating the system of government we have. It would just be authoritative control and the President says, "Do this, and everybody does it and there's no way to there's no way to debate it there's no way to argue it there's no way to appeal it it's just dictatorship essentially to put it lightly if this court were to abide only in more tranquil conditions to these to these rules, declarations of emergencies would never end, and the liberties our constitutions separations of power seek to preserve would amount to little but the other thing is. There were three dissenters in the case. And the three dissenters, Justice Breyer, Justice Sotomayor, and Justice Kagan, dissented by saying this. And take careful note of what they said. They don't argue based on what their authority is and what their job is, which is to determine the constitutional aspects of the rule. Is it legal? Do the people enforcing it have the power to enforce it, etc.? Instead, they said this Every day, COVID-19 poses grave dangers to the citizens of this country and particularly to its workers. The disease has now killed almost 1 million Americans and hospitalized almost 4 million. It spreads by person-to-person contact and confined indoor spaces, so causes harm in nearly all workplace environments. And in those environments, more than any others, individuals have little control and therefore little capacity to mitigate risk. COVID-19, in short, is a menace in workplace settings. The proof is all around us. Since the disease's onset, most Americans have seen their workplaces transform. It doesn't really sound like they're saying anything about the rule of law. And you can read through their dissenting opinion, which is probably twice as long as the unanimous decision of the court, maybe three times as long. And all they say is grave danger, killed, harmed, danger, killed, harmed, danger, killed, harmed, danger, killed, harmed. The minority who voted to uphold the rule dissented, arguing that the court was overreaching its power and judgment for that of health experts instead. They were ignoring the health experts. And I think I didn't go to law school. I'm not a historian. And I've never been in court and argued a day in my life in court for somebody, for myself. I mean, I've been in a courtroom for for other things, but not because of me. And I, I just can't, comprehend that I am I guess I'm understanding how our government works better than three Supreme Court justices but it's more than that because three Supreme Court justices didn't just say kill danger disease death harm etc these three Supreme Court justices didn't just vote to implement the rule. They voted to relinquish their power to executive authority. They voted to circumvent Congress through executive authority. They voted to dismantle the Republican government of the United States of America. They voted to take away the individual rights of states, of businesses. Of individuals. And that should be a horrifying, terrible, horrifying notion for anybody who recognizes the precedent that those three votes set. And they don't mean anything, really, because the rule was stayed. They lost 6-3. to And businesses and states and everybody maintained, you know, their autonomy and their their rights and their power, including Congress. And yet these three judges wanted to usurp their own power and Congress's power and the state's power and your power and business's power. Your business, any business, you work for it. That is, that is, that's a terrifying notion. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. The Music Tonight, White Bat Audio. You can check them out on YouTube. If you'd like to contact us, the email is rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. rdgable at yahoo.com. Facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. We are on Gab. You can find us on Gab if you just go and type in Ryan Gable or the secret teachings. And you can also find us on Gitter. That's G E T T R. Find us on Gitter. We are just building up followings there because we don't do a lot of social media. Find us on Getter at Ryan Gable or TST Radio. If you'd like to support the show, you can grab a copy of one of my books on the website, and that is the only place you can get them. Digital and softcover copies of those books. And you can subscribe to our growing show archive, ad-free, with all of our montages, and you get copies digitally of all of my books. www.thesecretteachings.info We'll be back.
0: The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK, digital broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is TST Weekends. Search the show name and start listening today for free. If you want to avoid those annoying ads, subscribe to our ad-free archive with our oldest shows, a private RSS feed, our montage archive, and Ryan's digital books. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Secret Teachings.
1: Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground
0: Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
1: Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening. As we broadcast around the world. On the Fringe FM, the Paranormal Radio app, and TalkStream Live. Along with a number of other podcast players and applications. On the website, you have a free archive. For those of you who would like to listen to the show, if you're not a subscriber, everybody can access this archive. It's a free archive at thesecretteachings.info, and I've put three different options in this archive for you. You can either click on and listen to the shows in the, it's a Spreaker player. You can also download those shows, but they will have advertisements in them and quite a few advertisements in them. You can copy and paste the link provided on that archive page to your browser or your application, and you'll be able to pull up that same list of shows, but you'll have the feed for it. And underneath of that, you'll see links to Apple, Deezer, Spotify, CastBox, Google. The only one that isn't active yet is iHeartRadio, but the show is on all of those. Whatever you want to use, you have that option to do that. So those are your three major options. and there's another free archive for TST weekends, our weekend show over on aftermath uh, aftermath FM. it's 9 a.m. Pacific on Saturday mornings and you have the same options there. If you want to listen to that show. If you want the show though without those annoying advertisements, go to the website, click on the subscribe button and when you subscribe to the archive, you can download and stream every show without outside advertisements with a website login, and you will also get an RSS feed. You can download and stream every montage as well, and get access to read and download digital versions of my books, including some of my original stuff, which they're not really books. They're more like compilations of uh, news articles and raw data. But the new books, uh, those things are jam-packed with information. And whether it's a cult arcana or the technological elixir, even food philosophy, I promise you that you will not be disappointed and you will have literally weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, months and months and months of reading material. www.thesecretteachings.info. If you don't subscribe to the show and if you don't buy a book, we're not here. We make about $800 a month, somewhere around there. It depends on the month, but about eight $800 a month. Some months we'll make uh, 1100 Some months we make 700 It just kind of depends. But we don't make a lot of money. And the little bit of money that we make allows us to do what we do. I don't have any other funding. Nobody pays me to do this. Sometimes listeners donate 5 bucks and say, I appreciate what you do. Sometimes people buy extra books. They send those books to their friends, their family as gifts. Whatever you do, please support the show. www.thesecretteachings.info That's www.thesecretteachings.info And you can also check us out on Patreon for behind-the-scenes videos and more. Those are the ways in which you can support the show. I was thinking today about the Supreme Court's decision in the healthcare and the employee mandates for COVID-19 vaccines. And I read through the opinions of the court and based on what the court decided, a lot of people might say, well the court the court messed up because they still said it was okay to force healthcare workers to get vaccinated. And I don't I don't think people understand it's not the decision of the court to decide whether or not it is morally right, per se. It's the decision of the court to decide if the power exists in this particular case with OSHA to enforce such a mandate. And because it's a healthcare setting and because it's very specific to a healthcare setting, the Supreme Court upheld that rule. The rule otherwise that applied to nearly 100 million Americans across a wide range of industries and a wide range of locations and different people and different businesses did not find approval in the Supreme Court because it was not only too broad in scope, it was a broad overreach of authority by the federal government and by OSHA. They did not have authority to enforce it and although the liberal supreme court justices said that well actually all they said was kill and death and it's scary and bad but the liberal supreme court justices said that it was it was a it was a mistake because the court they said was overreaching in its authority and i thought how can the supreme court be overreaching in its authority in deciding whether or not An agency like OSHA or an executive like Joe Biden, the president, the executive branch, has the authority to do something. That is the explicit and only job of the Supreme Court. To to vote that way, at least to vote that way by making that argument, is relinquishing your authority to the executive branch. It's usurping the legislative branch. It's... Essentially, a slap in the face to states, to governors, to local governments. It's a slap in the face to businesses, to individuals. That's a disturbing thing, I think, to think about. And I think it's, it's made it very, very clear that one major U.S. political party has been so absolutely possessed by hysteria and by psychological oligarchy that even these judges on the Supreme Court of the United States are willing to exchange their power for that of a single executive authority. They're willing to just throw out the whole system for a politically motivated or a fear-motivated ideology. But it gets worse than that because the President of the United States has expressed a desire to pack the Supreme Court. Do you know that? And the vice president of the United States has been pushing for the last, well, the last year, but has been pushing hard for the last couple of months for voting rights legislation because she wants to give essentially all non citizens the right to vote. And both the vice president and the president have said we should just ignore the Senate filibuster. We should just ignore. Senate procedure so we can get what we want passed. I mean, the president and his party, parallel to that, simultaneous to that, maintain an active assault on the economy, jobs, energy, food, supplies, etc., in something that's more like a siege than any kind of public health mitigation. I mean, these actions are parallel to Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. They are treasonous, at least at surface level. If you're talking about packing the courts and obliterating the power of citizen choice and voting and using an emergency to shut down businesses and consolidate government and corporate power and calling all of your opposition horrible names to keep them on a constant defense— These are the actions of totalitarians, control freaks, psychopaths, etc., not altruistic friends of freedom. And for those of us who see and feel and hear the heartbeat of history, we know exactly who these people really are. We know exactly who you are. You're trash and you're scum. You're anti-American, you're anti-human, you're garbage. Garbage, 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 garbage. But even though I think you're garbage, here in America, you have a right to presumption of innocence until proven guilty. But see, they don't even like that because these are the same people that believe because you're white, you're bad. And because you're a black conservative, you're bad. I mean, that's why... The man running for the governor in California who likely lost because of election fraud. The man running for governor in California just because he was a black man who was a conservative. Larry Elder was attacked. This is a black conservative, very, very successful man, very, very articulate. And he, a black conservative gubernatorial candidate was attacked by a white screaming liberal woman with a gorilla mask. I think she threw an egg at him. I mean, it's one step under just throwing a banana at the guy. But that's okay. These people have shown you who they really are. Like the woman who refused Candace Owens' A very intelligent, very articulate, very powerful black lady. Refused to even test her for COVID-19 because she's Candace Owens. We can't test you. We don't provide service to, to you black folks who are conservatives. I'm a white liberal. I don't have to serve you black folks. Get to the back of the bus, Candace. I mean, these people show you who they are. And that's one of the things that I think has also been overlooked in the last couple of years it's been overlooked that although we, we feel the, the, the rhythm of, of the heart of history, we see the, the repeating, the, the preliminary stages of the repeating of history, we also know, and this is the wonderful thing about good and evil, and this is where we start to become immersed in the metaphysical aspects of this, when there are people that are doing evil things, and there are people that do not like individual human beings who think for themselves, make decisions for themselves, live their lives, have families, etc., when there are people that want to destroy that, when they launch their assault, when they finally reveal who they are, they reveal their true ugliness, and now we know who these people are, and it becomes ever more clear. They don't have to hide behind ties and political parties. They show us by their actions the monsters that they really are. Literally, figuratively, and metaphorically. They show us who they really are. I mean, if someone is talking about packing the Supreme Court, the last time I heard somebody packing a court was Adolf Hitler in Germany. Giving all citizens the disservice of allowing non-citizens, ultimately that's the goal, all non-citizens the right to vote, that undermines all elections. That compromises the entire election process in states and federally. Why? It's not because those people don't deserve a right to vote. It's because those people aren't citizens. Those people don't have investments in the community so they shouldn't have a right to vote it's obviously dangerous because giving a non-citizen who has no interest in the economy, no interest in the local the local theater, the no, no interest in local businesses giving that person a right to vote means they're not going to vote for the things that they have an interest in which should be local government, should be local community, local society, uh the state that they live in, you know, their community, their environment it ultimately provides the opportunity to pack the ballot box by having people that have no interest, some of which probably can't even speak English, pile into voting places and cast their ballot for someone who will give them a small payment in exchange. A universal basic income To do whatever it is your party tells you to do. And it's like this isn't one of those things that's new. This isn't new. The Democratic Party used to do this a long, long time ago. Democratic Party used to pick people up on Ellis Island, take them to hotels and put them up. People didn't speak English, didn't have anything. Put them in ghettos, put them in slums. And then drag them down to those polling places to vote blue. You better vote blue, boy. That's why most black folks were conservative after the Civil War especially because the Democratic Party was the party of the Ku Klux Klan. There's a really good movie, one of my favorite movies called The Free State of Jones, and they have a really good scene in that movie where uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, he goes with uh, these former slaves and they go to vote and all these white liberal Democrats are sitting around and they're like, well, they can vote, but we ain't got no Republican tickets. So ain't nothing you can do. You ain't got no Republican tickets, only Democrat tickets. I mean, v- voting fraud was, uh, I mean, it was the, the paramount foundation, if you will, of the Democratic Party, the Ku Klux Klan, racial discrimination, uh, harassment of, of, of minority groups. And, and, and I, that, that is the history of it. And you can, you can feel the pulse of that Today. I mean, I've made the argument that groups like Black Lives Matter are the Ku Klux Klan. How can they be the Ku Klux Klan? They're fighting for black people. No, they're using black people to advance Marxist ideologies, destroy the family structure. Black communities have already been decimated by not having a family structure. You want to destroy the family structure? You want to get rid of men and separate women and children? How does that have anything to do with black lives? If anything, that'll decimate black communities even further. It'll decimate white communities. It'll do to all communities what Democrats have traditionally done to minority communities. And that's the whole point. That's why they want to redistrict everything. I'm not saying Republicans don't do this, but the, th- the thing is, this isn't about Democrats and Republicans. This is about really evil people who are trying not necessarily to usurp the power of your local government and your political party and affiliation and the red or blue tie that you wear. They're trying to usurp the authority in the free state that you live in, in the country that you live in. They're trying to usurp the authority the authority of the system of government that you live under that protects your rights, not gives them to you. And they've done this psychologically by conditioning people to not understand, intentionally teaching them only bits and pieces. So they think, well, the whole legal system's corrupt. The whole court system's corrupt. None of that matters. It's irrelevant to vote for anybody, really. And now that they've undermined that and made voting just basically a bodily function, you don't need to inform yourself. You don't need to educate yourself. Don't have to have any investment in the community. Just vote, 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 vote blue. No matter who vote, 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 vote. And if you vote, get that little sticker and you feel good about yourself. Yeah, I voted for some, who'd you vote for? I don't know. You're like Joe Biden signing the executive order. Who'd you vote for? I don't know. What'd you sign? I don't know. That's the whole point. It destabilizes the whole system. It's meant to undermine and corrupt the system so that it rots from the inside. Because you can't defeat, you can't defeat the Great American Empire, and you certainly can't defeat the Republic with a full-on head-to-head assault. And I mean, even things like the word "empire," I consider. That the U.S.'s involvement in World War II and Korea and Vietnam, I consider that to be wrong for the most part, especially Korea and Vietnam. Those are just two off the top of my head. I mean, yeah, Iraq, Afghanistan, et cetera, et cetera, Syria, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not a result of the 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 the, the founding principles of this country being corrupting and evil. It's despite those founding principles because the founding fathers, generally speaking, did not want to involve themselves, especially Washington, in any kind of war, especially when it dealt with a foreign adversary, and especially in particular wars that had very little to, to, to do with, with, with your own interests. And, and the interests of the state are not always the same, but they're made to seem the same as the interests of multinational corporations and big banks. Oh, the financial system's corrupt. It's the U.S. dollar. Yeah, it's because of offshore banking cartels. Oh, the U.S. empire, it's it's corrupt. It's evil. Yes, that's because we've overreached our authority and we shouldn't have troops stationed in virtually every country around the world. But that's part of the military-industrial-corporate-banking complex. And that has nothing to do with the U.S. Republic. These aren't even federal agencies. The Federal Reserve isn't a federal agency. This has nothing to do with the United States of America. Oh, Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. He did, and then he freed his slaves mostly. And all those kids that were supposedly his... Remember Sally Hemings? Oh, it's Thomas Jefferson's kids. He didn't like black people, but he had black children. Really? Well... According to DNA analysis, they weren't actually Jefferson's kids. They won't tell you that in history school. They won't tell you that in a history class at school. They won't tell you that anywhere unless you read a book and find out, oh, those were actually Thomas Jefferson's brother's kids, according to the DNA analysis. But they still were Jefferson's kids because he was Jefferson. (laughs) You see how it works? It is a distortion of reality to the point of absurdity, to the point of fantasy land, wonderland where you're so twisted, turned around, and spiral-eyed that you have no idea what's going on. And so you just decide, okay, what do I do? I get a universal basic income. They think for me. They do things for me. All right, Black Lives Matter. Let me vote blue. I don't care who it is. I don't care how much gas goes up. I don't care how much the basic necessities of life in terms of cost go up. I don't care if there's limited food or limited supplies. I don't care if the infrastructure crumbles. I don't care if ships are stuck off store by order of... Uh, uh, offshore by order of the president i don't care what happens because i feel good about myself i'm not a racist no you are a degenerate piece of shit who is responsible for the crumbling of the republic but hey 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 it's a wonderful day because the republic still stands nice and strong and despite those three liberal judges giving away their power to the executive, spitting in the face of Congress and telling the states your rights don't matter, telling businesses your rights don't matter, telling citizens their rights don't matter, and doing it not even through philosophical, even like legalese, like using legal terminology to make themselves sound smarter. No, they just went right to the fear, death, killing, murder, killing, 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 COVID, 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 fear, 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 fear. And conservative or not, the conservative justices we're explaining that if the government just did whatever they wanted whenever they wanted and especially did whatever they wanted and suspended certain rights under times of emergency there'd be no point in government there'd be no point in having rights the government is not there to take your rights away and to give them back that's another myth that you've been told that you've been taught in school and in movies and fake comedy shows they're masquerading this comedy they're just political propaganda where they're like, well, if the government gave you these rights, they could take them away. They're not really rights. No, the government isn't supposed to take your rights away. They can't fundamentally. They, can't, they cannot take your rights away. And if they try to take your rights away, that ain't the government doing it. Those are foreign actors because the government was instituted to protect those rights, bottom line. So when you see somebody trying to take them, you know they're not a true representative of the people. They're an enemy of the people. And when a president wants to pack the courts... That's Adolf Hitler. That's Joseph Stalin. Call it out for what it is. And when a president and a vice president want to give every single person who has no investment in the community, who doesn't even speak English or know the culture, everybody gets a right to vote. That undermines everyone who is participating, paying their taxes, going to work, being a good citizen. It undermines their rights. It undermines their communities. It undermines their choice and their power and their authority of what happens in their lives. And that's why they don't focus on that. They'll say, no, this is giving power to poor minorities. You mean the ones that you put in ghettos, the ones that you gave a universal basic income, the ones that you terrorized in white hoods, those minorities, the ones that you use as little tokens, little totems, Little sigils that you hope your mobs charge so that you can use it as a shield against your political treachery, your petty, tyrannical ideologies, and your cultural Marxism that you want to shove down kids' throats in school so you can brainwash them real good before they get old enough to realize that you're psychotic. Packing courts, obliterating the power of citizen choice. And using emergencies to shut down businesses and consolidate government and corporate power. And then if anybody says, wait a minute, there's a problem here. You say, you're a racist. You're a sexist. You're a transphobe. And you say, well, I'm not, I'm not any of those things. No, you are, you are, you are. And they make the argument about that because that's all part of the plan too. That's all part of the ideology. That's all part of the textbook. That's how you do it. Keep people on the defensive. So you just circumvent those accusations and you hit them where it hurts logic and reason and you obliterate their arguments because they surely don't have any argument to uphold so that's why they call you names in the first place if only we saw if only we heard if only we could feel if only we could we could taste and touch the heartbeat of history for those of us who are able to do that we realize who these people are they're the Stalins they're the Mussolinis they're the Hitlers they're the Pol Pot's they're the Mao's and these people need to be stopped and the wonderful thing is legally and lawfully in the case of the Supreme Court and these vaccine rules as per what the Supreme Court has authority to do they have stopped these tyrants in this case I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. So the heartbeat of history extends far beyond what we've talked about so far. I've got a lot more examples for you. In New York City, a new law allows non-citizens to vote. I don't know if you heard about this, but a new law in New York City is allowing non-citizens to vote. They still won't be able to vote for president or members of Congress. But this sets a precedent to allow non-citizens, people that do not have investments in the community, from voting. And if they do have investments, they have a job, they're here. They don't have their papers yet. Get the papers. Become a legal citizen. Like most people, who want to enjoy the freedoms and the rights in this country, they become citizens legally. They don't mooch and they don't suck up off the teat of all of the other people who do work for a living. There's a middle ground between those two political arguments, but we're not allowed to have that argument because it's considered racist or, you know, too political, etc. I find it interesting. You know, we, we, we hear so much about this. Here's a headline here. Joe Biden is in favor of an exception to the filibuster for voting rights. Whatever it takes, he says. Whatever it takes. Just, just completely just void Senate procedure. Just void it. It doesn't matter. Void it. Don't listen. Don't listen to the courts. Just void them. Don't listen to what the courts say. And since we can't void the courts, let's pack the courts. Joe Biden said, let's, let's reform the courts last year. That's we need to reform them. Reform means pack them. Pack the courts. Just give, give, give the courts, uh, you know, 30, 40 liberal justices. You know, we can only pack them with liberals. We can only reform them with liberals because we're losing, so we need to cheat because we can't win otherwise. I know that I sound like some raging conservative. This isn't a conservative point of view as far as I'm concerned. This is a common sense point of view. I'm not a conservative. This isn't political. This is metaphysical, this is spiritual, this is soulful. This is the argument over whether or not you as an individual have a right to think, a right to express yourself, a right to determine what goes into your body, a right to worship the way that you see fit, a way that you determine connects you with Source, with God, a goddess, or with nothing. It's about you as an individual having the free autonomy to live and be protected in those rights and views by a government that protects not only you, but all people. All people that have those same Rights, who will certainly believe different things than you, and that's all how it's supposed to work. And when it doesn't work that way, it's not working that way because someone doesn't want you to think, or they want you to think the way that they want you to think, and vote the way they want you to vote, etc., etc., etc. Worship what they want you to worship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are playbooks, there are blueprints that are being followed to usurp these authorities and to usurp the, 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 the notions that, that people have, to undermine the notions that people have. Even the notions, not even the ideas and the understandings, but just the notions that people have about how our government's supposed to work. I mean, it's just the brazen uh, disregard that we've seen in two years because of rabid, just literally people foaming from the mouth, rabid, rabid. <laughs> at the grocery stores and at businesses screaming at people throwing things at people for, for, for that matter both sides three people do it because they don't want to wear a mask that's top news I get screamed at every time I go to the store because of the mask in New York never makes the news and, and see that's the thing the media is so incredibly powerful so incredibly powerful And if you go to, like, the CDC's website, for example, you can pull it up right now, go to the CDC's website. It says on the CDC's website, for example, 5% of the deaths attributed to COVID-19 were the only cause mentioned on the death certificate, just 5% of the deaths. It was 6% of the deaths. Now, it's 5% of the deaths. For deaths with conditions or causes in addition to COVID-19, on average, there were 4.0 additional conditions or causes per death. Before, it was 2.9 additional conditions, comorbidities, as they call them. The CDC, the mainstream media, etc., they have denied their own data and denied this reality because it completely obliterates the narrative and being, you know, not being able to deny it. Sometimes they'll say that's out of context. Well, really it's, it's updated as of January 9th, 2022. I'm looking at it right now. I just posted it in the chat room. And if you look at what the CDC says, 5% of the people who have died. So they keep saying 800 and something thousand close to millions, a million or something have died. And, Okay, well, 5% of them died of COVID, according to the CDC. The other 95% died of at least 2.9, but they're saying now four additional conditions per cause of death. And that's why they're saying cases don't matter as much because more people are apparently testing positive with COVID despite the fact that we have vaccines, right? So now it's not about testing numbers, it's about hospitalizations, but then hospitalization numbers are also down, so where is the pandemic? Where are the diseases? Where is the consistency in the reporting? According to the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, she was asked by Brett Bayer an anchor on Fox News. How many of the 836,000 deaths in the United States linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown? That's a question. This was published on January 9th, 2022. Same day the CDC actually updated these these statistics on their website. That question is a question that we've asked here on this show for for about a year and a half now. It's been in my book, The Technological Elixir, for about a year now. In Australia, they've made it very clear there's a difference between people who die with and people who die of. The response from Rochelle Walensky was, yes, of course. With Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry takes a few weeks to collect, and Omicron has been with us for just a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. Didn't answer the question. But Rochelle Walensky said something else that was really powerful on ABC's Good Morning America, something that the mainstream media now is fighting against and amongst themselves over. She said this, the overwhelming number of deaths, over 75% occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with, and yes, really encouraging news in the context of Omicron are two things here that are interesting to me. Number one, according to the Washington Post, this is a quote, outrage followed after she made this statement. Many deemed the CDC director callous, prompting a hashtag. My disabled life is worthy. I don't know what the fuck that means. But the CDC director was under fire because she said... Most of the people who died, died from other things. And rather than people becoming enraged and maybe making a hashtag, all this is made up, all this is statistical context that matters more than anything else. Instead of, instead of recognizing, hey, they've been lying to you by distorting reality. No, my disabled life is worthy. What are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? This woman just said that most of the people that died, died from other things. But they won't come right out and say that because they're... I'm trying to think of an appropriate word. They won't come out and say it directly because they're paid, because they're scared, because they've got a script, because they're they're wusses. They're pussies. What is it? What's the reason why? What smoking man is standing behind you telling you what you can and can't say? Is that the reason why? But they still acknowledge it and they acknowledge it on the CDC's website. Four additional conditions are causes of death. So here's what I figured. CNN has been all over this clip. They've got their, They've got their anchors on there. Their white liberal woman and their black man. Because they care so much about minorities. And they put them on the screen and they start telling you this. That the context of the statement was lacking. Which is baffling to me how CNN can can make any judgment about context. When they whiten the images of black criminals. When they take people like Joe Rogan and make him look sick when he isn't sick to say that he got sick, you know, or imply he got sick from taking things that weren't FDA approved, they're going to make a judgment.
0: ...out of the comments made by CDC Chief uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky about the role of comorbidities in COVID-19 deaths turns out, though, those were crucially important seconds in terms of context.
1: So let's listen to the Walensky the sound. Smiling,
0: the smiling,
1: arrogant, virus. pompous witch next to this guy. This
0: new study showing just how well vaccines are working to prevent severe illness. Given that, is it time to start rethinking how we're living with this virus that it's potentially here to stay? The overwhelming number of deaths over 75 percent occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who, were unwell to begin with and yes really encouraging news in the context of omicron this um means not only just to get your primary series but to get your booster series Um, and yes we're, we're really encouraged um by these results
2: okay so that poorly edited clip created this tidal wave of misinformation
1: so they're saying that the clip from abc was edited it's missing a few seconds it's missing context As per the question and the answer. Now, according to this CNN video that I'm playing right now, it would appear as if ABC had actually edited the clip. But I'm not so sure about that. Let's keep listening.
2: CNN reporter and resident fact checker Daniel Dale did a deep dive. Resident
1: fact checker. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. This guy's got a dildo up his ass on live TV. This guy is a weasel.
2: So, Daniel, how did this happen, and then how, how was it seized upon?
1: So, there were two separate problems here that resulted in a lot of people getting a yeah, false... Yeah, he's got that, that, little, that little flamboyant lisp. So, there were two problems here that... I bet the guy does not even sound like that. They coach him to sound like that because he sounds non-threatening. He's non-threatening. He won't hurt me. He wouldn't lie to me. He's a resident fact-checker. ...impression of what the CDC director said. Number one, as Victor pointed out, ABC's Good Morning America deleted some key sentences from Bolensky. just did not air them. ABC says it did this for, for time reasons, but... Regardless, that edit made her meaning much less clear. Number two, some right-wing commentators cut down her comments even further to just 11 out-of-contact seconds and described her comments falsely. Now, one false tweet came from radio and TV host Clay Travis. Travis wrote, The CDC director just said over 75% of COVID deaths occurred in people with at least four comorbidities. And that's the thing that's so crazy to me, folks. They're claiming... That the context is so important. It's so important to hear what she said. And it is. It's important to get the context. Because if ABC chopped that up. If ABC chopped that up and took it out of context. That's really important. But it doesn't discredit what she's saying. Especially if you look at the CDC statistics on their website. That literally say 5% of the people who died. Died only of COVID. The other 95% died of four additional comorbidities. And what that means, what that means is what CNN is saying. If CNN didn't take the ABC video and edit it themselves to claim that ABC edited it so they could take advantage of the narrative to divert attention away from what the woman actually said, it means that with all the media attention on this out-of-context information that, Lew- that that Walensky shared, she says 75% of the deaths occurred in people who had four comorbidities. When in reality, on the CDC's website, it actually says 95% of the deaths overall. So do you see what's happening here? Whether CNN edited the ABC clip or ABC really did edit it down intentionally or otherwise and not they didn't really catch it. Maybe it was done intentionally. I think it was done intentionally because then it can be like, You've intentionally released an edited clip that takes something out of context. You do it intentionally, then you release to the media that the context is missing. Then the media, like CNN, picks up and says, there's context missing here. When others have already taken that snippet that they knew would be so popular with the crazy right-wing community, where she says that 75% 75% of the deaths occurred in people with four comorbidities. And everybody would spread that, spread that, spread that. And then the news can step in and say, actually, that's out of context. It's out of context because she was talking about an individual study, not all the deaths. Let me just, let me just try to explain that again. They release a video that they intentionally cut down to intentionally take perhaps the most important part out of context. Then the media picks up on that story and says, look, it's out of context. When everybody starts to share the information that was so shattering and groundbreaking and important and, and narrative shaking, and then CNN steps in and says, actually, 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 what she said was taken out of context, and we've got the context. She was talking about a study. So, when somebody says comorbidities are responsible for COVID 19 deaths, you know that that's just a fabrication. But if you go to the CDC's website, they're right. What she said was out of context. And it isn't true. 75% of people don't die of comorbidities, 95% of people die. Of comorbidities. Four comorbidities on average. That's what they did. They released something intentionally edited, blatantly edited, so horribly edited. If I cut that in film school, I'd have got maybe a D minus. For at least knowing how to work the program, I'd have gotten a D for it. They cut it so poorly And then people start picking it up because they don't do their research. They don't investigate anything. They just pick up whatever the media says. The media knows that, and especially the right-wing commentators. And they pick it up, look, Walensky just said 75% of the people that died didn't actually die of COVID. They died of comorbidities. And then CNN says, actually, with their NPR voices, actually, this information was taken out of context. We're going to go to Trevor, our resident in-house fact checker, And we think that ABC News did this intentionally, maybe accidentally, we're not sure, but they definitely lied to you. And we're telling you the truth here on CNN. She didn't really say that in context. And when you imply that that's what's happening, you're missing the context, which is about a certain study. So all that stuff about comorbidities, none of that's real. And the wild thing is, They're right. CNN is actually right. It is an edited video, and what she said is out of context, and what she said is also inaccurate. In the grand scheme of things, it's accurate per the study, but in the grand scheme of things, it's inaccurate. Completely inaccurate. But the wild thing is, what she said is still true to the point where people are dying of comorbidities. But the number is not 75%. That's for the one study they cited. The number is actually 95% with four comorbidities. Do you see how that works? Release the edited version. Let people spread it. And then you step in to say that's out of context to pull back on the reins after people have taken a bite of the hook and you start reeling them in. We actually have the context here. We'll tell you what to believe. Don't you dare think for yourself. Don't you dare go to CDC.gov and find that the real number is 95%. You see how they can be so wrong, yet so right, so deceptive, yet so honest. That is some serious, serious psychological manipulation. That That isn't some psychologist. That's like Central Intelligence Agency-level propaganda. And that's exactly what they do. That's what they're good at. That's what the media does. Oh, and by the way, we've got Supreme Court justices that don't really want to be Supreme Court justices. They want to give all their authority to the executive and slap the legislative branch in the face and tell the governors of the states you don't really have any authority and tell the citizens you don't have bodily autonomy and tell businesses we get to control you and we get to control interstate commerce by giving the authority to the executive and usurping the legislative authority to do that, just violating the Constitution left, right, inside and out, giving up their own authority. But we've got other things going on too. We've got a governor in New York passing a statewide ban or trying to get passed. She's proposed a statewide ban on gas hookups in new buildings. Might sound like a one off, might sound like a random story, but apparently in California, hose pipes have been banned. Might take a while to come into effect, but hose pipes are going to be banned. In the UK, according to an article from December. I forgot to pull this up for a show I just founded in my archive. UK inches closer to eliminating private car ownership. Here's the headline of the article. Soon, Brits will own nothing and will be happier for it. Sounds like Klaus Schwab to me. Here's CBS, December 2nd. A couple of months ago, more states consider ban on gas-powered lawn equipment. They already did that in California. New York's going to do the same thing, I'm sure. Here's another one, New York Times how politics are determining what stove you use. New York, getting rid of those gas stoves. And it goes on and on and on. And you think, well, maybe what what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's the deal. You have a president who wants to pack the Supreme Court. He wants to reform it, quote-unquote. He didn't say pack, he said reform. Well, reform means pack, okay? That's what it means. They're going to pack the Supreme Court. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to be able to do it, but that's what they want to do. You have a president and a vice president who want to overturn and obliterate the rights of law-abiding citizens by giving the right to vote to every non-citizen who can't speak English and can't even understand what voting is except I get free shit. You know, which is why a bunch of dumb Americans probably shouldn't have a right to vote when they go to the polls to vote blue no matter who. That's completely irresponsible. And there are plenty of people that don't speak English that are illegals that I'd rather have voting if they want to get on the path to citizenship and they want to learn the language and they want to be part of the community. So it goes both ways. There's a whole bunch of people that probably shouldn't be voting. Don't you think voting is a human right? No. Voting is a civil liberty. It is a civil duty. It is not something that everybody should be afforded because some people don't have any investment in the community, including people that live in the community. So no. So while you have a president and a vice president who want to do that, including packing the court, and you have a Supreme Court, a few justices that just want to give all the authority away and say, we don't have the authority to decide. This should be left up to health experts. No, you are the only people that have the authority to decide because you're the the Supreme Court. You decide what is constitutional. What are you talking about? This is up to to doctors to decide. No, it's up to you to decide. you're, You're the judicial branch. What are you talking about? So while all that's going on, you've got states that are just left and right banning this, banning that, banning this, banning that. You don't think that maybe, maybe, just maybe, there is a slight heartbeat to history here. You don't think there's a slight heartbeat to the use of environmentalism to advance political agendas and aims. That that political aim is to dismantle and then build back better society on the ashes of the old world california and new york they're working hand uh, you know in hand in hand uh, they're they're working uh, together to to carry that out other states like washington are doing the same thing but then you have in the uk they're on the same thing in other countries why is all, why all the countries all the states are on the same thing because they're following a script there's no other explanation for it you can't you can't have the same exact piece of legislation enacted in multiple states at the same time unless it's being orchestrated and 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 it's being organized you can't have Klaus Schwab saying you're going to own nothing and, and and love it and then have media just regurgitating that talking point without them being given that talking point to regurgitate it doesn't happen it's not it's not natural it's inorganic it's synthetic what is this heartbeat of history it's 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 the rise of totalitarianism in whatever form i don't care if it's a swastika or if it's a hammer and sickle and and it's 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 a possessive ideology that is using in the u.s one political party uh, to to the absurd to the point of psychosis mass hysteria psychological oligarchy or even supreme court justices are affected by it you know or you have white liberal women that attack black conservative lawyers who should have been the governor of California because they're black and conservative and she attacks them, attacks him with the gorilla mask. Or you have intelligent black ladies like Candace Owens who can't get a COVID test because she's black and conservative. And it's like, where's the last time we saw and heard something like that? I'm, I'm pretty sure you all know. And again, the thing is, I'm not a conservative. I feel a lot more conservative today than I did last week and the month before that because conservatism seems to be the only political party left in the United States that has uh, you know, any kind of slight common sense. But I don't mean like the GOP. I mean just basic conservative politics because I don't know where the liberal politics are anymore. They're gone. And I'm reduced down to making a decision for my life Based on things that, you know, when other people are assaulting me, I realize, well, it's like my property and my my possessions and my health and what I put in my body and what I read and what I can think and what I can access information wise and, and health wise and who I can communicate with and what I can worship and what I can believe in. And when we just reduce it down to those things, you start to realize real quick, as a lot of people have over the last two years, when people are trying to take those things away, they can call it liberal, they can call it progressive, they can call it whatever they want. They're authoritarian control freaks. They're psychopaths that want to control other people in the name of freedom for some, in the name of equality for all, just not for you, in the name of justice and equity. Anyone who gives up their power and their freedom for the perception of security or the perception of health doesn't even deserve those things that they gave up. And that's kind of the ironic and sad thing about it, unfortunately. That's why we have to inform people. It ain't about politics. It's more about that age-old battle of good and evil. Of those that want to control and those that want to allow others to make decisions for themselves. It is the heartbeat of history. And for those of you who can see it. Those of you who can hear it and those of you who can feel it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you who can't. It's time to crack open a history book. And start reading about that Adolf Hitler man that people hate so much but don't actually know what he did or what he said. Start reading about that Joseph Stalin. Start reading about that Joseph Mangala. Dr. Fauci is a modern-day Joseph Mangala. All those puppy dogs, all those black kids they killed, saying you can get AIDS from being in the room with a gay guy, You know, doing his little uh, homosexual uh, party experiments. I put, the, I, put the, I put the leeches on the dogs, and then they, they eat the skin off the dogs, and I, I like it, you know? And then we kill the black kids with the drugs and get your vaccine. I, I can't believe that guy has not been put in handcuffs yet. The, the, Congress has to do something about that guy. That guy is more of a threat than COVID-19. He is the threat. He is the virus. People like that. Petty tyrants, as Rand Paul calls them. Court system still works. The Republic still stands. The question is, will you stand with the Republic and will you stand in opposition to the heartbeat of tyranny throughout history that is beating ever more steadily as the golem arises out of the ground ready to wreak havoc? I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you all for tuning in this evening. This morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening, I really hope that you enjoyed the broadcast. This Rochelle Walensky thing is just such an incredible thing to to recognize that release a an edited video, then take control of the video when people start spreading the information, and then use that to discredit the information when what they were saying was it's kind of true. But the, the the point is, it's not 75 percent; it's 95 percent of people that died died of comorbidities and it says that on the cdc website updated uh, just five days ago if you want to support the show subscribe to the archive at thesecretteachings.info you'll get access to all the shows the montages the digital books as well or you can buy a copy of one of the books some people choose to donate if you have the ability to do that i'm so grateful for it thank you so much email us rdgable at yahoo.com stay safe stay informed stay healthy and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast I'm sorry.